also I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group they're rather stupid. That men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Dinosaurs eat men. Woman inherits the earth. Safety lights are for dudes. Safety lights are for dudes. <laughs> well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. Hands in the air, Kristen. Yeah. Lord, please give it up for the dazzling vocal stylings of Miss Skimmerler. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four awesome ladies talk about everything that's interesting and not so interesting and very thirsty in the world of Hollywood. I am Karen Peterson. This is episode 76, and today I'm joined by Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. Strangely fitting that for our episode where we're talking about Avengers Endgame, half of us are missing. Josh Brolin strikes again, that beautiful man. Thanos' reach extended farther than we thought. I could say something really crass, but I won't. It's too early in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when does that ever stop you? Yeah, I still won't say it. I still won't say it got a baby now so it's just you know it's not yeah cool. but that hasn't that's stopped right. him uh, oh yeah well, that's his problem that's it's because he's number eight on the list right now nine he's I don't trying even know where so he hard is right now he's not <laughs> trying him and oscar isaac are sitting down right now not trying kids ruin everything man i know how are you i'm doing good i feel like we haven't talked but we have talked so go figure. It's kind of funny because we talk constantly and yet there are some times where I feel like, man, I haven't talked to you in forever and it's I like know. literally been 20 minutes, but. This is what being an old married podcasting couple is like. It's pretty true. I wonder if this is what the So I Married a Movie Geek folks feel like. You've had a busy week. What have you been up to? Well, I saw Avengers, obviously, uh, at the, the Disney Studios lot, which was more exciting that I was on the lot than that I was actually seeing the Avengers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I did I did go to the uh, Disney Studios store, which was always fun. They did not have pins. I was really bummed about that. So next time. Uh, and then on Wednesday, uh, I got to go hang out in a fancy hotel room. And talk to Joe Carnahan about my love of all his movies. So Slutting it up fun. in a hotel with Joe Carnahan. <laughs> uh, it's not it's not as sexy a story as Karen's time, but <laughs> it's I'm working my way up. Okay, working my way up the ladder. Had Justin and Army in the same day. <laughs> I did forget to ask Joe Carnahan about working with Chris Pine, which she made me really sad. Missed opportunity, but you know, next You're time. You're fired. I know. I fired, I know. Lopez. You had one job. I know to ask all about other Chris people. Pine. <laughs> I know. Be like, hi. Do you know about Chris Pine? Isn't he awesome? Um, Can I have his phone number? Exactly. Well, I did. I did get to talk to the screenwriter of an Olsen twins movie today, which was really fun. Getting to to reminisce about two thousand four was pretty awesome. Two thousand four, really? Yeah. Those were the magic days post 9-11, but we were still, like, innocent. Mean Girls had come out, and the Olsen twins were still making wholesome movies. I mean, 
Those were those were simpler days, Karen. I just I can't believe that they were still acting in two thousand four. It seriously feels to me like it was, was actually earlier. Than their that. last movie, so the oh. last theatrical movie they made together was in two thousand four. That's crazy. It's okay though, because we have the best Olsen out and about making movies. My my beautiful glittery angel. Who would have thought the youngest would be the best? Uh, I know. I love Misa. Well, it was, I was almost going to call her the name my mom and I call her in in, uh, in our house, which is Betty Faye. If anybody's seen the <laughs> SNL sketch with the third Olsen, Betty Faye Olsen. That's what I call Elizabeth Olsen all the time. So God forbid I ever actually interview her and I will just be like, hi, Elizabeth. How are you? <laughs> Actually, there won't be words. If I ever get to be near Elizabeth Olsen, I'm just going to, like, pass out at her feet. Mm -hmm. You're going to be like, you are an angel sent from heaven, and now I am dead. You are a beautiful, magnificent princess, unicorn woman, and you've been near, like, all of my husband, so... (laughs) Sup. She really is beautiful, and she seems like such a sweetheart, so... Good for her. I'm glad she's doing well. If, if Elizabeth Olsen is listening, um, I mean, you're welcome on Citizen Damon. Oh, absolutely. Like, we will kick out Lauren and Kim anytime yes. for you. Yes, we will. I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but you get it. I mean, you, you know, you're listening. You, you'll, you're, they're nodding their exactly. heads right now. They're like, yes, we will. We will seed the time. All right. Yeah. This week, what did I do this week? I It's been... You didn't call me, I know that. That's true. No, I've been up to my eyeballs in Emmy stuff and it's been so much... The last couple weeks, it's been a lot of MEFYC events, which has been so much fun. It's exhausting, but I will not complain because it's, it's great. I love it. I get to go to all kinds of things. I get... Um, one of the things I love, especially right now, a lot of the, the networks, the, the less mainstream networks are... Um, they're doing their campaigns early because Emmy season, the eligibility season doesn't end until May 31st and then nominations open June 1st. And so what a lot of people like Netflix is doing their FYC campaign and they're doing FYSEE because their whole point is to try to get people to start watching these shows that they haven't been watching. And um, one of the things that I went to this week was not for Netflix. It was actually for a Fox show. It was The Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's uh, sort of Star Trek parody-ish type of show. And my brother's been trying to get me to watch this thing for two years, and I keep just not making time for it because I've got a lot of other stuff to watch, man. And I'm not a huge Seth MacFarlane fan. But I went, and they showed an episode from, like, the middle of the season, and it was a second part of a two-part thing so I had no context. I didn't know who anybody was, but it was actually, I think, a good choice of, of which episode they showed. For those of you who watch, it was Identity Part 2. And I actually thought it was a pretty smart choice because you didn't need to know a lot of specifics about who the characters were to be able to kind of just jump in and follow the immediate story that they were presenting and the situation that they're trying to, to get out of. So, um, So it was fun. And then afterwards the Q&A that they had there was a panel that was moderated by one of the directors from the show and it was really interesting some of these moder- some of these panels you just don't know what you're getting into and if the moderator's not good it can just be such a, a boring blah just time but this one was really good and I actually found myself 
nodding along to a lot of what Seth MacFarlane was saying. And I was just like, wait, do I not dislike him? Maybe he's actually not so bad. I don't know. Who are you and what did you do? M. Peterson. <laughs> yeah, so I think what it is, is that I'm just not a fan of, like, his brand of humor. But him and the way that he looks at the world, I'm like, oh, actually, I think we have some common ground here. So it was really interesting for me because I kind of opened my eyes. And now I'm intrigued and want to watch more of the show, too. So my brother's happy. Um, because he finally wins after two years of pushing me to watch the show. So, yeah. Trying to think. Yeah, that's about what's been up for me. So it's been, it's been a fun couple weeks. But there's been a lot of stuff happening in the world of (laughs) Twitter this week. Let's talk a little bit about, um, Olivia Munn versus the Fug Girls. So, I've heard of Go Fug Yourself, which is a website that's been around for a long time. It's a blog. Um, started by two, uh, two ladies that, you know, they just love to talk about celebrity fashion and I never really have read their site. I've been aware of it, but not anything that I've really followed much. Kristen, how about you? So I had never heard of Fug Girls, uh, up until yesterday. Okay. Well, good. Cause that's actually, like I said, I, I kind of vaguely knew about them, but I didn't really know anything much specifically about what they did until I saw this tweet from Olivia Munn yesterday where she was calling them out for what they do. And for, um, so basically like, I didn't know much about what they, what they specifically did. I just knew about them. And, and I knew that fug is short for fucking ugly. And, you know, so I was just like, okay, they're just kind of these not necessarily mean girls, but that just kind of like a very critical of celebrity fashion. That was all I knew about them. And so yesterday, Olivia Munn went on Twitter and she shared an article that she wrote in response to something they had written about her. And, um, and so I was reading this and, and she's talking about, this is Olivia Munn talking about being very aware that she has a career where you know, people are going to come up and ask for autographs. They're going to want to, you know, let let them know, like, let the celebrities know, I'm, I'm aware of you and what you do and these kinds of things. And she's like, you know, you just have to be aware of the fact that you're going to be in the public eye a lot and that people are going to approach you. And there's also going to be critics that have things to say about what you do and who you are. And she's like, I get that. That's part of the job. And then she says, but then there's this whole other group of people like Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan who don't fit into either of the aforementioned groups, fans or legitimate critics. These two women run the blog, go fug yourself that rates celebrity fashion by their own personal standards of what's fugly and what's not. And then she goes on to talk about some of the specific things that they've written about. And she says, their blatant hypocrisy is nauseating. They claim to employ some sort of subjective barometer for goodness and beauty, even though what they do and write is neither good or beautiful. And then she goes on to talk about how they, they body shame and they're, they're just really critical of how people look and, and things like this. And so I'm reading this going, huh? Yeah. And the vague stuff that I knew about go fug yourself I was like wow go Olivia like you really take a stand and then someone else quote tweeted her and said this isn't what the fug girls do at all this isn't about them this isn't this is not representative of of what they actually do and you're completely mischaracterizing them so then I thought well wait a second (laughs) there must be more to the story so 
unlike a lot of people in this day and age, before I commented on it, I jumped in and actually did some research. And I ended up, I don't know about you, Kristen, but I ended up spending at least a good hour on their website just going back through their archives and looking at the types of things that they write and the way they write about people. And it was definitely completely not what Olivia Munn is describing. They're not mean-spirited. They never body shame. In fact, they go out of their way to make sure not to do that. And they keep their conversations really on the clothes and the critiques that they have to say don't even feel mean spirited really you know it's like what the hell is this this dress is that are those one of the things I was reading like are those sleeves sewn to the pants I don't understand what's going on here so it's like it's all in good fun it's not mean spirited at all that's at least the impression I had how about you so I didn't have to do research on this to know that I I disagreed with her immensely um this was this was part of a growing week of issues that celebrities have had had with critics. So um, I know that the uh, rapper Lizzo had also tweeted some stuff about critics who were, had criticized her work, and she had been going on a spree about the whole concept of like making music for the fans versus the critics type of thing. And then I had heard some stuff that Ari Aster had gotten into gotten into it with some with people about critics not um liking his stuff the problem that i see is that olivia munn is just one of several people that does not seem to understand criticism with what she's talking about and the problem is is that these the way i see it these women wrote an article about how they didn't like what she was wearing and she took that and pretty much co-opted body shaming and and objectification if it's not and her whole thing was if it if you wouldn't let a guy do it you know how is this not the same thing it's not the same thing and you damn well know it's not the same thing and that was the problem that i had with it is that she is taking it to this whole other level like with their body shaming her no there is a distinct line between saying that your jacket's ugly and saying and, and making comments about your body and you know she knows the difference and then that led to and i know you included it a couple tweets that olivia munn had written herself and comments she had made about that were genuinely body shaming obese people and it brought up this concept and i know anthony rapp got into it with some critic colleagues of ours about how, you know, it's just, it's so mean-spirited. And I think it was Christy Puchko who said, no, celebrities want press releases. That's what they want from the critics. They want nothing but glowing copy and they don't want to have to pay for it. And that's the thing. And, and, and that is something that I think we've all seen a time or two. We, you and I are in a very privileged position where we do occasionally get to interview famous people and we know what our job is and they know what their job is. Our job is to be kind and professional to them while we're doing the interview. And then we have to grapple with ourselves about if we didn't like the movie, what do we say? How do we handle this? And, and it's hard to write a bad review of a person for a person that you've talked to, that you've interviewed. I've done it, but it would be disingenuous of us to, to write everything that's glowing all the time. And I think that that's the problem is that these celebrities are so used to now it's, you know, all of us are freelancers. We just want the access. 
and that that is supposedly making this unspoken agreement that we are going to give them glowing copy for that access. Um, and, and, at yeah. this, and at the same time, oh God, did I, I just totally lost my train of thought. So Shoot, feel I'm free sorry. to... No, no, no. Feel free to, to talk about that. And then if I remember it, I'll jump back in. Okay. Well, one of the things that I found so so fascinating, particularly on the the specifics of Olivia Munn, is like most of the, they're not criticized, like the Fug Girls, they're not criticizing celebrities just out and about. These are like red carpet events. These are fashion shoots, fashion shows, things like this. Usually they are being dressed by designers. So yeah, it's a, an outfit Olivia Munn is wearing, but their criticism really, even if they're not overtly saying it, their criticism really is about the person who put that in them in right. that outfit. Like it's it's not it's not oh Olivia, you have terrible sense and terrible taste. It's what the hell is that jacket? That's what my train of thought was. So, so thank you because now I remember she's going after two women who do this. I, I don't know the Fug Girls. I'm assuming this is not their day job. I'm assuming that they are not wealthy off of this website. Um, why is she not going after the people that have made their careers off of actually body Fashion police, people? anybody? Fashion police. Perez Hilton, who spent his entire early career drawing dicks on people and outing gay actors. You know, I don't hear her going after him for all the crap he's probably given to her. Um, I don't, I don't hear her going after E, you know, for, for all of the stuff that they do with fashion. No, you go after the little guy. And that, that also doesn't help her. That she is a celebrity with a huge following is, is misrepresenting these women and telling her followers to harass them. Um, you know, and she would never have done that with a corporate fashion critic, you know, in any way, shape or form. And this is just, this is part of the larger conversation too, that's been unfolding is, this whole thing where she's punching down at people that are not on the same level as her. And it it's like the big kid on the playground bullying the little kids. And it's like, sure, that big kid's not the biggest kid around, but he's the biggest kid here right now in this moment. And so for her to be going after these two women without ever bothering to... this isn't This is another thing that really frustrates me, is we have this so often where... And someone has a problem with somebody else. And the first inclination is to take it to Twitter or to take it to whatever social media. And it's like, I don't understand. And I would have respected her so much more if she would have just gone to them and said, hey, let's chat about this because I've got some real problems with what you're doing. And it might not have made her feel better. It might not have accomplished what she what she wanted. But the problem is that by going to social media and by sticking her followers on these two women and and attacking them that way, it's it's not allowing for conversation. It's not allowing for understanding. And she now is becoming the critic that she hates so much. Exactly. And this is after establishing so much goodwill with the predator stuff that she had to endure. I'm not saying that she, Olivia Munn is one of those women that I, I do feel has genuinely had issues with the men of Hollywood. And, and she definitely needs, deserves some, some of that recognition. But at the same time, she is not helping her cause. And she in many ways is proving the point of men 
by saying, you know, oh, the PC police, you know, it's too much. Like, she, I think she understands exactly what she's doing. And, and if she was genuinely interested in furthering the conversation, she would probably go to these women privately and be like, hey, I, I misrepresented what you were doing. I overreacted. I, I felt attacked. Like, you can have those conversations. You can still feel attacked and understand that you did, did wrong. Um, but but it, it's going towards a grander conversation that I think a lot of us as critics are having with the fact that celebrities and people in power are not understanding what criticism is. And that's going to a bigger conversation about audiences not knowing what criticism is. Anymore. There are a lot of people that call themselves critics that don't know what criticism is. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's a big problem everywhere. It's leading to a really big quagmire right now. Yeah, well, this is something that I really... Um, got frustrated with was it two years ago when Baywatch came out and Dwayne the Rock Johnson oh yeah I remember that oh I still haven't forgiven him for that and it was like not even directed at me because I didn't watch their review that movie but uh, he was pissed because the movie was tanking at the box office and he blamed critics for it and was just going on and on about don't believe the critics go see this anyway and it was like um the Fast and the Furious movies aren't particularly well critiqued and they do fine. So I think there are other reasons that your movie's failing. And then, of course, the next year when he has Skyscraper and he gets some positive reviews, he's all about that. And I fully am aware that you were part of the benefits of that, Kristen. Like, he, he retweeted <laughs> you and that was a cool thing that he recognized that. But that's the problem is that it felt disingenuous when he did it. Because it's like, oh, okay, you only like the critics when they like you, you know? And the thing is that he should have... There were other critics that gave Baywatch positive reviews. He just had to seek them out. And it's like, if he would just amplify those all the time, instead of complaining about the negative ones, it would be a different conversation, you know? And that's what that's what's going on all the time. Like, they just tend... these A lot of these celebrities seem to be just focusing on the negative stuff and calling it out as if there's something wrong with people having a bad opinion or a negative opinion or a negative reaction to something you've done, which is ridiculous when we're talking about art, which is subjective. Everybody knows it's subjective. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. And a lot of people are going to be somewhere in the middle. And so go out and find and amplify the voices that fit in with what you feel. You don't have to go out and look for the ones that are against you and just try to take them down and drag them for it really a growing problem since since Rotten Tomatoes and the Tomato Meter have become this big arbiter of taste, there seems to be this movement towards saying that anybody who doesn't like your movie is out to personally get you. There becomes this individuality to it. And that's not the case. You know, I don't, I know I can only speak for myself, but I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for you too. You and I don't set out to write a movie review to get anybody to be contrarian, to be a rebel. At least I don't. No, absolutely not. Never. You know, and that's the thing that I don't think celebrities too, but also the public really don't understand. We, and it's part of an issue that we've also had with, with other critics saying, you know, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. It's unprofessional. We don't have many perks of our job. We are overworked underpaid some not paid at all and we don't get many benefits to doing what we do and so when i hear 
a celebrity or someone say that there is this attack on them and and this person has a bad review so they're an idiot i'm just kind of like yeah i'm sure that makes you feel really happy to know that you made some person who's probably made you know 40 bucks on that review feel terrible you know you're not attacking a.o scott you know or or big established critics when you're doing that you're attacking a lot of times minority writers um and, and that's the thing is that if these people were going after the jeff wells's the jeff snyder's of of this universe the people that are actively have been accused of doing harm then maybe i would take them seriously but they're not yeah yeah exactly well and it, it goes the other way to, well not even the other way but yeah there are a lot of times where if if a lot of people are praising something at this point i just go it's not worth it for me to say i don't agree with this and here's why because i'm just gonna get attacked for it i'm gonna get trampled for it and it's like i don't want to do that you know sometimes I enjoy it like I fully stand by my beach bum review and as do I <laughs> I fully enjoyed writing that and all the negative re reactions I got to that review I enjoyed and I should really just print them out and paste them on my wall because they make me happy <laughs> but uh that's a very rare exception I generally do not like writing bad reviews and um, there have been times where my response has just been simply to not write the review, which is also disingenuous because if I don't think something's good, part of my job as a critic is to say so. But it's become so negative, like such a such a cesspool out there that that becomes problematic too. You become a focus, you become a target when you do that. This is just proof that we need to get famous, Karen, and then nobody will attack us ever. Well, they still will because we're women. Ah, oh, damn it. I forget that part. So, yeah. Just not as much, but they still will. Awesome. We, we can never escape it unless we grow dicks. <laughs> I'm still working on that. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. That's a little creepy. It's it's very difficult. It's not working out for me. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like growing boobs where you just eat carrots a right. lot, you know? Yes. And just to be clear, we are not commenting on trans issues no, or please, <laughs> please something completely different. Humor. Yes, because <laughs> that is something completely different. Yeah. So, Olivia Munn, just grow be up. Be better. Be better. Be, yeah. Like, I mean, you mentioned it too. Like, I really, I had a lot of respect for her last summer, and really felt for her with the predator stuff because. You know, that to find out that someone on that set had not just been accused, but had actually done time for what they'd done, and she was not being supported by anybody on that production, that really sucked. And then even in the aftermath, when she's calling it out, and people are still just keeping quiet about it, like, I really felt for her in that time. And I really thought, okay, we've seen a, a turning point with her, but let's see. We had a question this week. Woohoo! This is from Michelle D, who is on Twitter at GameCockMitch. What are each of your guilty pleasure movies? The one that you almost don't want to admit you enjoy watching. I had responded to this with a tweet that said, I have way too many to mention. And she said, well, you could do a top five. No, I have way too many to mention. <laughs> well, better get to start naming them. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, everybody knows Showgirls is at, is at the top of my list. I love that movie so very, very much. It's a mess, but it's a delightful, insane mess that I adore. <laughs> I adore it so much. One day, one day I will have a party. We, uh, I've been trying to find a way to, like, invite all my L.A. friends and be like, we're going to watch Showgirls. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm busy that day, sorry. You will not be busy that day. You will. I'm I will, busy all the days. I will lie to you and tell you that we will be doing something else. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> oh, hey, Karen, you want to come over for, like, some brownies and some Game of Thrones? And you're going to be like, yeah, sure. Meanwhile, boom, show Elizabeth Berkeley's nipples are going to be on the screen, and you will have to sit there and watch them. So prep prep for that. Prep for that. Um. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of, like, my go-to. I have... I have terrible movies that I know aren't good. I think I've mentioned this to you. Like, I I was tweeting about this last night. Like, I watch Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and I find them to be highly entertaining. Eraser is a lot of fun. That movie is a good movie. I know it's not a good movie, but it's entertaining. Um, so, yeah, and that's, that's without any of my boys in them. Those are, like, just the movies that I know are actively awful that I will sit and I will enjoy. Hmm. This one's actually hard for me because I don't, I don't feel guilty about anything that I watch. You <laughs> like, wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I'll own it, you know. Like, and so I'm not even sure what movies I should be embarrassed to watch. Like, I think I've talked before about my love for early Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey movies, oh, which does seem good. a little bit. They are right, so that's why I'm like, I don't feel guilty for watching those because they're freaking funny, you know, like. I seriously, I still watch Dumb and Dumber most of the time when it's on TV. Billy, Billy Madison, Madison is I can a quote it start to finish. Yes, that yeah. movie is a classic. It is, it is, and I love it. And so I don't feel guilty for watching those because they're just so damn fun. And I mean, I sometimes I think, well, as a critic, like I'm not supposed to like some of these movies, but screw it, I do. Um, so I'm trying to think. What else I watch that I'm like, oh, I don't want anybody to know that I love this movie. I really, I don't know. I, I can't. I know movies that you've lied about not seeing until recently, but. Well, that has guilty. happened. But... You should feel guilty on a whole different level. <laughs> yeah, there are movies I feel guilty about not having seen. <laughs> um, and there are certainly, to that, I will say there are certainly movies. Karen will tell you, I've admitted to some. There are certainly, like, men I've admitted that I've had to watch certain movies for. <laughs> And I feel terrible, but that wasn't your question, so I don't have to answer it. Boom. Oh, you know what? I thought of one. Nice. Here's one that I <laughs> I don't I don't admit to liking it because so many people hated it so much and they thought it was so stupid that I just I, I pretend that I I agree because it's just easier than defending it. But I really like Masterminds. I don't know what that is. Um, it's this movie from a couple of years ago with Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig and Owen Wilson. Oh, it's, yeah. It's based on a true story. It's done by Jared Hess, who did Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Also two movies that I adore. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a true story about this armored car heist. Zach Galifianakis plays this guy who works at a like a Wells Fargo whatever... Um, not Wells Fargo, but like an armored car company, and he robs the place, and um, it's it ends up like he ends up hiding in Mexico and uh, stuff like that, and it's and Owen Wilson is like extorting him, and that's why this all happened, and it's 
Kate McKinnon is in it too. She plays Zach Galifianakis' fiance, and she's hilarious because, of course, she is. They have a scene in this movie where they're doing engagement photos. <laughs> that right there was worth it for me. That was totally worth the cost of admission. Was watching that engagement photo scene. So, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure movie. I finally admitted it. I love it. I watch it all. I've watched it not all the time, but I've watched it several times. It's been on Netflix. Jared Hess, you can give your money to Karen. <laughs> she just gave you free promo. I sure did. Um, yep. Oh, uh, I mean, if we're talking about, like, stuff that's... Like, Serenity comes out this week. That, <laughs> there you go. There's nothing guilty about that. That's all joy. That's all pleasure right there. That movie is just... Still amazing. haven't seen it. But I did enjoy uh, replicas for similar reasons. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, so see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You watch Serenity, I'll watch replicas, and then we'll come back and meet in the middle and talk about... <laughs> whether the other person is just insane or not sounds good okay sounds good yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway fun question thank yes, you i'm waiting for the next person to send a question be like well Kristen, what's the worst movie you've watched for somebody oh my god you don't want to know that oh you know that someone's gonna ask that question yeah and the, it's gonna be from at karen m peterson <laughs> um maybe maybe it's already there hmm <laughs> Uh, this is what happens when you tell people things at South by Southwest, and then, yeah, it ends up being a big thing later. I don't know what you mean, Kristen. Exactly. Exactly. That's why my hair's so big, it's full of secrets. Uh, yeah, so thanks for that question, Michelle. It was great. If y'all, if you ever have questions, please send them our way. We love getting questions. Um, we also love ranting, and I have a little bit of a rant here. And I really should have written it down, because I'm gonna miss some of my points, but I actually... I'm still considering writing an actual article for the website about this. This has to do with Game of Thrones. A show that I have loved since the beginning. Despite some of the issues of, you know, sexism and stuff like that, those exist, but there's also some really good things the show has done. But yeah, I've been watching it since the beginning. I've read the books that are available and all that. So I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. One of the things that's been happening on the show for the last couple of seasons is there's this character named Tormund, who was a wildling. He lives north of the Wall. And at some point he joined forces with Jon Snow. We all know this if anybody watches the show. And when he met Brienne of Tarth, who is um, she was protecting Renly before he got killed when he was trying to be the king, and she's, you know, she's been around forever. She's this big, tall woman. It's played by Gwendolyn Christie. Wait, is that the right name? Yeah, I Okay, so. from Star Wars, yeah. All of a sudden I blinked, like, oh, no, that's the wrong person. Yeah. So she's, like, over six feet tall. And the way she's described in those books is that she's very unattractive. But, of course, Gwendolyn Christie's not unattractive. She's really beautiful. Um, but that's the thing, is, like, throughout the show, she's always treated as, like, this gross woman that like no man would ever want to marry there was this joke played on her when she was younger that all these men were were trying to to woo her they all wanted to line up to be her suitors and she just it was like the best day of her life and she was so happy about this but then it turned out to be a big joke and they were all laughing and like who would ever want to marry that girl she's ugly you know and so it was just really um she's just this interesting character and when Tormund met her he was just all eyes on on Brienne like he only had eyes for her he was totally in love with her and she was not at all interested 
And she made that very clear. And he kept flirting with her and making all these comments. And throughout the last few seasons, she's always rebuffed him because she's not interested. A, she doesn't want him. B, she does want someone else who hasn't been paying attention. But that's beside the point. And I've watched fans get all, like, all shippy about these two. Like, oh, I really just want these two to get together. I really want... Brienne, Tormund loves her so much, I really just want to see this happen. And I have been so against this for so long. And I don't think that they're going to go down that road. I think they made it pretty clear in the last episode. And I'm really glad. But I still see people saying that they want these two to get together. And here's the reason that this has always bothered me. I don't like the idea. And this happens so often in rom-coms, in TV shows, where you have a woman who's considered unattractive... Nobody really is interested in her. And then she's just expected to fall in love with the first person that shows her any attention. That pays her any interest. And, like, she's supposed to just be grateful for that and fall in love and swoon because of it. And I really just, I hate that. I hate that idea. And so I guess my rant is really more against the the fans that have been asking for this than against the writers of the show. Because I think that they've actually been handling it pretty well. So... I won't be sad if Tormund dies and his love for Bran goes unrequited. Two separate reasons, but anyway, that's my rant. Don't put those two together. I have a lot more, but... <laughs> I wish I watched the Game of Thrones. I wish you did too. I stopped after a certain point. I got pretty far in there. Did you stop after Rob Stark? Um... You're like, oh, Richard Madden's dead. I'm no, sad. no, I do miss him though, because he was fine as hell. Um, I remember. Well, you that, can enjoy him on Bodyguard now. Uh, oh, yeah, I keep saying I'm gonna watch that, and then I just like go on living my life. No, I I remember Natalie Dormer was there because I love her, and I remember Pedro Pascal was there, and mm-hmm. I didn't know about him. Um, so like <laughs> him and I were friends once upon a time. Um, and. I remember the little Weasel King dying, and I remember Rob Stark dying. Sorry, spoilers, you should all know this. Um, And then somewhere after all of that is, like, I just moved on. I think once I had to watch, like, Jon Snow read a book, and then, like, he had sex with that little redhead chick, and I'm assuming that that one book that he read was, like, the art of oral sex, that's when I just kind of moved on. That was, like, season two. I don't know. I don't know. I got to, like, season three, I think. Like, the end of three or something. I don't know. Okay, the point is, is that I moved on. You stopped on. watching when it got really good. That's The what point is, is that I moved on when the Khaleesi didn't understand that, like, Ian Glenn is super fine. He's just, like, standing there, looking all hot and tall. Oh, don't even get me started on her and how dumb she is and how I do not want her to win the throne in the end. Yeah, no. Nope, I don't care about the dragons or any of that, so. <laughs> I'm okay not. I, I, and weirdly enough, I don't know what's going on, but I know the logistics. I know the basics, so there's that. I bet there's stuff you still don't know. I probably don't, yeah. You know I, nothing, Kristen Lopez. I know what that is, so <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, man. All right. So that's my Game of Thrones rant. There may be more. We'll see what happens this week on this episode. Um, anyway, okay. So, Avengers Endgame is out this week. Everybody knows this. Everybody's probably at the theater right now watching it. 
Yeah, nobody's listening to this podcast right now. They're, like, all in the theater. Yeah, exactly. They're like the gremlins. Holding their pee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because apparently people can't go three hours without peeing, which I don't understand the problem. I'm in a wheelchair, and I am more than capable of holding my pee for three hours. So what's what's y'all normie's excuse? I'm not understanding. Well, I mean, I didn't have a problem watching Titanic, and that boat's on the fucking oh, water. yeah. It's right. <laughs> like, I don't understand you the normal problem. people in child bladders. I mean, come on. Exactly. Um, anyway, that's out this weekend. You've probably already watched it by now. Well, one of the things that... I how you're like, I don't know if you've heard about this Avengers Endgame thing. Oh my gosh. No, a friend of mine was doing a TV spot and the he was being interviewed and the person talking to him was like, wait, so you've watched all 22 movies? <laughs> It's just like what? Yeah, he's acting like this is so weird. I'm just like, was was your friend breaking news that night? This man has uh, yeah watched all 22 Avengers over the course of 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, one of the stories, and I'm going to introduce this topic non-spoilery, and then we're gonna go into our review of Endgame because we did not do a car critique for this one because we did not actually go to the same screening of it. Um, and then we're going to we're gonna just talk about it openly. So if you don't want to be spoiled, you don't want to listen to spoilers, then after I introduce this part of it, then you can go on your merry way and come back after you've seen the movie. Um, but one of the things that happens, and I'm not going to set up the situation, but there is a character, a very, very minor extremely minor character that is openly gay and discussing please tell me in the spoiler section you're gonna tell me who this yes. is because i literally had no idea what anybody was talking about and i saw this movie. okay yeah I'll, I'll i'll explain to you in the spoilers but um basically there's an openly gay character and that character is played by joe russo who is one of the directors of the movie and uh, a bunch of people were talking about the fact that oh this is the this is officially the first openly gay character in the MCU. And a bunch of other people were like, um, that's not what happened. And just stop. Like, don't give them this praise. They don't deserve it. And I'm of the mind that, no, they definitely don't deserve praise. There was a conversation in IndieWire this morning. We'll link this um, in the show notes. But basically, oh, actually, I just realized IndieWire or quoted Deadline, so I guess it's originally Deadline's story. But um, it's Joe Russo explaining why they decided to do this now, and he says, representation is really important, Joe Russo told Deadline about the moment. It was important to us as we did four of these films, because they did Infinity War and Endgame, they also did Civil War and um, Winter Soldier. It was important to us as we did four of these films, we wanted a gay character somewhere in them. We felt it was important that one of us play him to ensure the integrity and show it is so important to the filmmakers that one of us is representing that. It is a perfect time because one of the things that is compelling about the Marvel Universe moving forward is its focus on diversity. Okay. So what he's saying is, this is so important to us that one of us, a straight dude, had to play the guy. These dudes are both married and have children. So I'm going to break this down, okay, because I actually read this article. So 
I know the scene that they're talking about. The way that I had read this when the, people were making a big deal, and this is why I told you I don't understand what I missed, is I had assumed that this was a character that we knew <laughs> who had made some sort of declaration of gayness. And I was like, wait, what? I don't remember Ant-Man saying he was into dudes or something. Like, what is happening? And then I read the thing about how it takes place in this one scene where this rando is talking about losing his partner. And I was just like, well, who the fuck cares about that guy? <laughs> like, what? This is, this is, I, okay. I can say this. I love Disney, but I also think they're idiots. Uh, this is one of many bad decisions Disney keeps making right next to women in STEM equals personality. Um, so just because you have one random throwaway line or Josh Gad making googly eyes at a dude at the end of your movie does not mean you have done anything for gay people. And to further that point, Joe Russo is sitting here saying, we are so committed to this that we were even willing to, pl I was willing to play this guy. I was willing to play that rando right. with like, that one line. What, you couldn't find a gay actor in Hollywood? Yeah, to play rando number one, I have no idea. Somebody didn't want their SAG card that weekend? <laughs> like, come on, dude, do better. So, yeah, I was pretty, pretty peeved by that. And it's, it's interesting because... I I think that there's, at least with the media that I've been watching, the movies and the TV shows that I've been watching, I'm so used to seeing characters that are LGBTQ that I don't notice those random little moments anymore because they don't feel significant because I've seen much more significant and interesting storylines. And so... When I was watching in Endgame, I didn't even it didn't even phase me that that's what was happening. So it's like this is another thing that Disney keeps doing is they keep dropping in or at least allowing their filmmakers to drop in these little moments that are totally insignificant. But then that way they can say like, "Oh no, this has been here all along. We're totally committed to this." And it's like it's very disingenuous. Like they're not going to prove their commitment until they have a superhero that is gay. Or they allow Valkyrie to be bisexual or, you know, they have a trans hero or whatever it is. That's when they're going to show that they're really committed to it. But just having this random little line that, of course, was going to make it into the final movie because it was done by the director himself. Very disingenuous. And it was just it was just sad. This is J.K. Rowling all over again. The whole, like, I say these characters are gay, but I'm not actually going to show you anything. So it's this cop-out. It's a total cop-out to say, oh, yeah, there are plenty of gay people in this universe. I'm telling you this person's gay. You don't actually have to see them being gay. I'm just going to keep telling you that they're gay. Well, and it's just pat us on the back and give us a cookie because we, we're acknowledging that gay people exist in the world. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, it's not. And Disney, I think, again, is a really bad offender of this stereotype because... They keep making these big points. Like, it is, it's the equivalent of, of Kendall Jenner making a big announcement and then saying she's going to do proactive. You know, it's, it's Disney making these big assertions that, oh, we're going to do something for gay representation, and then it's the end of Beauty and the Beast with that stupid LeFou moment. Or it's this. You know, it's, you guys are missing the point. It is complete pandering, but it's, it's pandering done terribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, is that you can watch Thor Ragnarok, 
And that movie is 10,000 times more homoerotic without actually making a point of it. Uh, it's almost like watching a film from the 40s in terms of how it, how it does have a queer, a queer reading to it. Um, but does that mean that I wouldn't love to see Tessa Thompson be openly bisexual in the, in the later movies? Of course, I would love that to happen. Um, Disney either w needs to make these statements when it is actually significant or just shut up about it. Like they don't get to just pat themselves on the back on their back and ask for kudos just because this happened. So it's akin to me watching Shazam and hearing people say, well, hey, isn't it great that we get a disabled superhero? No, we got a kid who was disabled and y'all made him physically perfect. Like you cured him. That's not that's not a disabled superhero. That's a secret identity. And I could actually give a shit. Be, be better, superheroes. Yeah, so that's going to bring us to uh, talk about Avengers Endgame. Spoilers. Reminders. Spoilers. I think by just saying it's a movie that exists, we've, ar we've already spoiled it, though. That's probably true. And by saying that we've seen it, we clearly have a point of view that that's... Having a point of view is the spoiler, regardless of what the point of and, view and is. And saying that... Saying that Chris Hemsworth is the hottest thing in the movie, uh, that's also a spoiler, because it's saying that there's hot things that will be seen in the movie. Mm, that's true. So, basically just stop listening now if you don't want anything spoiled. If you don't want to know that Endgame is a real movie that is out in the world and is making millions of dollars. If you don't want to know about that totally mysterious comic book movie that nobody knows about. Right. If you don't want to know what Robert Downey Jr. has been up to for the last 11 years that Chris Hemsworth has a new movie or Chris Evans. Chris, Chris Evans has an ass if you don't want to he know does. about that. True. Also, if you don't want to know that um, Brie Larson has lipstick. And hair. Mm -hmm. Hair. She also has hair. Mm -hmm. She does. She has lots of it. And so does Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a, a peanut butter sandwich that has a hefty role. In That's movie. a big spoiler, Kristen. How dare you? I'm sorry. I didn't realize that this already sandwich it. solves everything. Man, can't take you anywhere. I'm going to send you to the quantum realm to hang out with Ant-Man. Anyway, the point is, we're going to talk very openly about Endgame. So if you don't want anything spoiled, that's cool. Go ahead and, yeah, just stop listening. But follow us on Twitter and stuff. We're at Citizen Dame Pod, And we'll give the rest of our stuff at the end of the episode. If you're still listening, it's your problem. What did you think of Avengers Endgame? Uh. Most people who have listened to my card critiques or any of my thoughts on Marvel know I am very fickle. I do not slavishly love everything that Marvel slaps its name on. Um, and Captain Marvel, I, I thought, was just fine. But this, I was expecting to be bored by a three-hour, like, circle jerk. Um, and... I was actually pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed this a lot, a lot more than I expected to. It did not feel like three hours, which was really good. It does have some big, big problems, which we can talk about. But overall, I think it was about the best way we could have ended things to both please the fanboys, to please the newcomers, to close up everything, to really shut the door on what had been started and start as fresh as we can. Um, a lot of the issues I had were, were stuff that I think Marvel slowly tried to get away from, specifically where women are concerned. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that we're transitioning from there. I did like the heartfelt moments. I'm a sucker for movies where characters go back in time to like meet 
family members that are no longer with them. And I thought a lot of the moments there were really good. Um, so uh, Robert Downey Jr. is MVP for me. I think if if Marvel were smart and they wanted to campaign anybody, they'd campaign him. Um, he's really good. And Hemsworth does such good work <laughs> in this movie. If y'all could have heard me scream the minute that he showed up, I was just like, oh, dear Lord, it's my nightmare, but I love it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was I was really into this. I was into this a lot more than I expected to. The word that I kept that has just kept running through my head since I saw it on Tuesday was satisfied. I have also watched every single one of these. I've seen every Marvel movie in the theater opening weekend for the past eleven years, and so I've been along on this journey and. I didn't I was I was so afraid that Endgame wasn't going to live up to it. And I I said last year that with Infinity War my feelings on that movie totally hinged on what happened in Endgame. And it's not about the quality of Infinity War because I think as a movie it was really well made, but the story could have been completely undone depending on how they concluded it. And so I was very happy to see that this has a, a good ending, that it, it reaches a conclusion that was not one that I fully predicted. In fact, a lot of things in it were not, were not things that I thought were going to happen. But I just, I felt so satisfied by the way they wrapped everything up. And I thought there were some just, some of those heartfelt moments were so beautiful and so pure and so rewarding for, for those of us who have been with this for so long. And it's it's got its moments where it's funny. And that's one of the things I've always loved about these movies is like, even in times where it's not necessarily the right time for a joke, they manage to find the right way to tell the right joke, you know, and kind of lighten things up just, just enough to keep it from being too heavy. The action is fantastic. The... Um, the sets, the production design, because they actually had to go back and revisit some old sets and things. And and the way that they did that was just really cool. Um, I, I, I just, I thought this was really well constructed. I agree with you. I, it did not feel like a plotting three hour movie, which that's the thing is a lot of the three hour movies I like are don't, don't ever feel like they're plotting either, you know? And, and I appreciate that. I, I just, I enjoyed this from start to finish. I would have watched another hour of it and I wouldn't even have been bored because I just, there's so much going on with the characters and I really love the fact, and I've talked a lot with other people about how one of my favorites is Iron Man 3 and a lot of people don't like Iron Man 3, but the reason that I love it so much is because it's the first superhero movie I've ever seen where the hero really has to deal with issues of PTSD because that's what's going on with Tony Stark is he's dealing with the attack on New York, the other things that he's been through over the past couple of years and the people that he's lost. And that's what I love about Endgame too, is like these guys have suffered. The survivors, the people that are left behind after Thanos, they have suffered and they have endured and they're going through some stuff and they're allowed to feel it and go through it. And I, I just I thought they did such a beautiful job with that. So I, I think it's 
I think it's really well done. I had a lot of fun with it, and I will definitely watch this again multiple times. As far as Thor, oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> I saw it at the end of the day. Like, I went to the 8 p.m. show, and I had had a couple of friends that saw it earlier um, call me up. Like, one of my friends calls me up, and, and as soon as I answer the phone, I, the first words out of my mouth were, don't tell me a word. I don't even want to know if you liked it. They didn't even bother to call you or text you <laughs> <Nope>. afterwards. <laughs> no, exactly. But um, anyway, but I did, you know, I did ask a couple of questions. And I said, okay, well, tell me what you can without spoiling anything. And so we chatted a little bit. And then I, I asked him, I said, does Chris Hemsworth take off his shirt? Oh, he <laughs> He's <does>. like, yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes, yes. You see plenty of Chris Hemsworth. And I'm like, okay, great. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> so the first time he takes off his shirt, I seriously snorted so hard. I was just like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> That's not what I had in mind. <laughs> I was upset. But I will be honest. My mom and I both looked at each other and she leaned over to me and she's like, you'd still go there, wouldn't you? I was like, fuck yeah, I would, because <laughs> honestly, I don't care. Um, so, so yeah, I was, I was not turned off by what was going on. Um, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to make that his lifestyle, but, um, you know, <laughs> he wants to get a dad bod, you know, every right now and then. Like, I'm okay with that. I could support that. I was, I was, at one point I was like, are his boobs bigger than mine? Yeah, he had like a really good B cup going in that. Um, I would just watch a movie where it's him and um, Taika Waititi's character playing video games. Korg, in, yeah. Yeah, in this little Norse village that they are doing, like complaining about cable and stuff. Like, I would watch that. I, I thought that was amazing. One of my favorite lines is when uh, Tony calls him Lebowski. Yeah. I was <laughs> and like, then it shows so him in the corner. He totally looks like the dude. I was just like, oh, my God. But at the same time, even he gets a really good moment with um, with Rene Russo, who, who comes back um, very briefly. And I thought they were going to go with a little retconning, especially because I feel they did my, they did Rene Russo dirty in Thor the Dark World. Um, and I, I applauded that they didn't because I think that the, the – the movie plays with time in a conceit that's already overutilized in other movies and could have been very wonky, and they try to keep it as tight as they can. Yeah, well, that's one of the things, like, because a lot of time travel movies, they take some of the elements of sci of time travel theory that scientists, you know, like physicists and stuff have, have written about, but they jettison everything that doesn't really work for the story they want to tell. And I'm not saying that Endgame doesn't do that, but I really appreciate the fact that they kind of say, well, yeah, that stuff is in the movies, but really, you can't change the, like, their whole thing. You can't change the, the future because it's, like, the, I don't know, I can't explain it now. But, um, but yeah, like, I, I really liked the way they did that. And so they found a way to make time travel feel a little bit fresh. Um, but oh yeah, that that moment when Thor is with his mother, I, I that was the that was probably the first time that I was crying, watching, watching Endgame, and there were several times where I was actually in in real tears, not just tearing up, but I was actually crying, and one of them was that scene, and it was funny because I had just been having a conversation a couple days before, 
with people and we were talking about, you know, the MCU movies and, and how Thor the Dark World's one that you could just write off. You don't even have to see that one again. It does nothing for the entire universe. And I'm like, ha ha, joke's on you. They made Thor the Dark World matter because it's an important part of this story. I will tell you all, um, out of all the Marvel movies that I've seen, I've probably seen Thor the Dark World the most. And there is, <laughs> there is a big reason for that. Um, if we're talking about Chris Hemsworth looks-wise, like, that's the best he's ever looked. I personally still think he looked the best in Ragnarok, but... Oh, he's hot in Ragnarok, oh, but, my like... Gosh. No, that short hair works. No, see, it's all about Thor, Thor the Dark World. I don't even know what the plot is. I just know there are <laughs> elves... And then he takes his shirt off and he's like wearing a cape. See, it's funny because in Endgame, my problem with his look wasn't even that he's fat. It's that he grew his hair out and his stupid beard wasn't trimmed. <laughs> oh, but I love that in the climax, he's magically able to get his beard under control. I was like, that's a new superpower. I mean, I, that in um, that in the scene with, with Tony Stark and his dad, I thought was also really well done. Even though I kept squinting for like 10 minutes and I was like, that's not Justin Thoreau. It's not. It's not. <laughs> is it? I don't think it is. It's not. Um, but I feel like John Slattery really needs to do something with his face because it's really starting to freak me out that him and Justin Thoreau look really, really similar when they're in 70s <laughs> stuff. It's not cool, and I'm not down for it. Um, but, but, yeah, I thought that was really good. I mean, I had, I had issues with it. Um, I think that, if anything... Endgame reminds you of how male-dominated the MCU used to be. There are tracks of this movie. Um, the, the ratio of women in this movie, women on screen, is very low compared to the other films that we've seen, mostly because we're going back to the beginning. And we're going back to the Avengers that started this, which sadly did not include a lot of women back in 2008. Well, the only original Avenger out of the six is Black Widow. Right, and I have issues with her character in this movie um i mean she's kind of the lone woman i find it hilarious that the captain marvel stuff they're hyping is literally the first maybe five minutes of the movie 10 minutes and the last like she she's literally used as a deus ex machina it, yeah, plot it's, device. it's obvious that they did not know what her movie was going to look like um and so so it's very apparent that she's just kind of there um there's a moment at the end where all the women band together that I thought would have been really cool, but it, it's one of those, again, moments where it feels like patting on the head. Like, see, we're not actually giving any of these women their own movies, but, you know, there are, isn't yeah, it great well, to have was... some kick-ass together? Yeah, that moment, it felt like such pandering. It actually made me mad. It's the only, it's the only moment in the movie that made me mad, but it was just, it. and I was talking to Clayton, my editor at Award Circuit, about this, because... Um, I, I brought that up and he just goes, thank you. I thought that too, but I wasn't sure how, how a woman would feel about it. And I was like, no, I was pissed about it because it was like so in your face that they have done women wrong in this franchise. A franchise that I love and I've enjoyed every movie in it, including Thor The Dark World. But I just, it really was just so blatant of how underutilized the women have been. And the other reason that that, that shot bothered me was that there was no story element that made that work. Women had to show up from wherever they'd been, not anywhere near there. And there was no reason for them to all 
go there other than just to specifically have this this shot. So they didn't even find a good reason in the story to make that happen. And, and it's also to give a couple of these women lines. There are a lot of characters that show up that have absolutely no lines. A lot of people got really big paychecks just to show up. Um, there's a moment at the end of the movie. I, I will ask you how many times did you say, who the hell is that person? <laughs> like, there's a couple scenes at the end where they're, like, gliding through this scene with all these characters. Well, there was only one, and I, I thought I knew who it was, but then I, but I wasn't sure. There was at least three times I was just like, who the hell is that? I don't, I don't remember who they are. Well, I've watched all the movies. You haven't. I have. Well, I, but I know most. I know pretty much all the characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, though, I was I was invested. I don't I don't think I'll watch it again, but um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought I was going to like be in for three hours of hell. Um, but I mean, you gave they gave me fat Hemsworth. Like, <laughs> I've, I've never wanted I've never I've thought about what that would look like. But now, you know. Now I know. So I, I'm not saying it should be the law of the land, but thank you for that, Russo brothers. It's, you know, I, I was, like I said, I was just more upset about the hair and the beard. I, I just love that, like, the movie opens with him eating bread, and I was just like, <laughs> you are not eating carbs, you son of a bitch. And It's oh, probably but... made out of cauliflower, is all just Yeah, acting. and then at a certain point in the movie, I was just like, oh okay you're you're eating carbs cool um and i will i will applaud them for really hyping up chris evans ass again also something i did not need to know that's america's ass man uh it's it's not my america's ass but (laughs) i mean i guess it was nice to see um so yeah josh brolin's still purple that was cool. Um, so, so yeah. Oh, that's something else I wanted to applaud since we are spoiling the crap out of Purple this. Purple Josh Brolin? No, uh, but you reminded me. I I really appreciated the fact they did undo the snap and so those people came back. But I really appreciated the fact that when they talked about, you know, the eternal sacrifice to get that, that soul stone, that really was undoable. And... I thought that was so fascinating because that meant that, and I don't know how they're going to fix this for Guardians 3, but that meant that Gamora really is dead and Black Widow really is dead. And and I was curious why they kept saying that her movie was going to be an origin story. Now I know because um, she didn't come back. Okay, so I'm going to be candid. I hated that they killed her. I hate, really? I hated it. This is... This is a woman, the way I interpret her, you can, you can tell me I'm, I'm misreading it. This is a woman who I feel has been done dirty in, in her movies so far. Yes, she's always been the collective glue as the lone female for so long in the, in the Avengers. But she started out as this spy masquerading as a sexy secretary type of thing in, in Iron Man 2. We didn't really know what we were going to do with her. And then in Ultron... I think it's Ultron. There was that really misplaced monster line because she was barren and unable to have kids. I know Joss Whedon tried to backpedal. No, you called her that. Deal with it. Um, and and then there was just the element that she had to be the mother figure, the lullaby with the Hulk, the the weird attempts to get a relationship going with somebody. Um, I I really had a problem with how they had handled her. I felt that they didn't do anything significant with her and then 
to make her be the team leader for about an hour and then have her sacrifice herself as this redemption thing that oh she's finally able to you know clear the red off her ledger as she's been saying and and make this sacrifice um so that poor hawkeye who literally opens the fucking movie and i was just like why do we have the family guy oh i get it he's got kids and a family he's the normal avenger well because he's the only surviving avenger that we didn't see what happened i it's because he's not interesting um but but i mean the fact that he he gets spared she has to die and i was just kind of like yeah, it makes sense. You kill off a character, you had absolutely no clue what to do. I do agree that she has not been handled well in this series, but they have many times alluded to something she did in the past, which would be something before Iron Man 2 when she was first introduced, that was really, really terrible. And I think that's what her movie is going to be about. We're going to finally know what that was. And it's unfortunate that they didn't give us that movie sooner so that we understand why she felt this need for redemption. But I really think that that's what that's about. And so I think that finally seeing her movie will be like, okay, great, now I get it. Right, but we get her movie and then we're reminded that she's dead. <laughs> but at least then we can, well, I'm, I'm hoping that what will come of that is we'll know, okay, she, even after all this, she got to die a hero. And, and Jeremy Renner gets to keep making these movies. Well, he's making TV. All I'm saying is, to quote from, from Dewey Cox, the wrong kid died. I think from her point of view, too, though, she's seeing this as he's he's someone who has children. And for her, it's important that she see him get to go and and be there for his kids and raise his kids. Like, she's making that sacrifice not just for him, not just for the world, but for his kids that she also cares about and knows very well. She's close to his kids, too. It's because she's a barren monster. I know. <laughs> That's not why. It's because she's a good aunt. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Karen is such an optimist. I love it, actually. I mean, again, please don't spam me horrible messages. I like the movie still, okay? I just had issues with that part. So, overall, though, I mean, it's it's good. I, I'm very surprised that I liked it. I'm honestly surprised that you liked it, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Till Till the next time i don't know i don't even know when the next marvel movie is um that would be july it's called spider-man far from home i saw the last spider-man movie and i was like that's okay oh man i thought it was hilarious i can't wait for more i mean tom holland's cute i'm not sure if i'm supposed to if i'm allowed to say that tom holland is an adult and you can say okay. that peter parker is still in high school and it's a little weird okay, so it's kind of like that noah centineo thing great question so spider-man comes back he goes back to high school? Is he held back for five years? I've been having this question because all of his co-stars in Far From Home are the same kids he was in high school with before. So right. where they all snapped and they're all still... They all have to go back to school? Like, what about the one kid that, like, graduated? I mean, like, I can't believe that all of them got snapped. Like, some of them definitely graduated. <laughs> <laughs> you would think, but... Like, all the, those kids, MJ, his best friend, like, they're all still in high school, so. Yeah, so how's that gonna work? Uh, well, I guess you'll have to see the movie and find out. Here's my lingering question, which, by, oh, we didn't even talk about the ending. Captain America and Tony both had beautiful endings. But, um, yeah, okay, so Steve goes back and takes all the stones back to exactly the moments when they 
were taken so that everything works out exactly the same way, right? Loki made off with the Tesseract, and they never found him. Karen, stop trying to make logical sense of this movie. <laughs> like, Loki's still out there, so I guess that's he is going to get that show on Disney+, Plus. I'm guessing. Uh... And this will be kind of where it starts, maybe? Maybe? But it's just crazy because now there's a split in the timeline, which they were very clear about having to close all of those. But also Steve and Tony would know that there was that split because they know that Loki got got away with it because they had to go back to 1970. Uh-huh. I know. Now my head hurts a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but, th- but at least he got to live happily ever after with Peggy and that was so... Again, that's another moment where I was just kind of like, I would have loved to have seen that. You spent two hours on humor and... And laugh lines, but I didn't actually get to see Captain America getting to, like, have a nice moment with his, like, create a life with this woman that we can see. I'm assuming that it's because they want to milk that for another movie, but... No, I I think that story's done. Well, I would have liked to have seen it. I just felt, I was like, dude, don't tell me, like, oh, yeah, you should see what the stuff we were doing back then, but... Does this undo Agent Carter? (laughs) They're not going to bring it back, Karen, if that's what you're asking. Well, I guess it would still be after because he went back to 1970. So she was still older. Now I'm just thinking a lot of thoughts. All right. Let's end this. (laughs) We've talked a lot about it. But also, oh no. I also love Tony's send-off. I thought that was really beautiful when, when Pepper is like, you can go now. And it was just so sweet. And his little girl is so cute. So, all right, now I'm done. That's going to really actually officially close us out for episode 76. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, you can follow us on all the places. We're on Twitter at CitizenDamePod and also Instagram at CitizenDamePod. Occasionally we wander over to Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash CitizenDame. If you want to send us an email, super clever with the titles here, CitizenDamePod at gmail.com. And that's our website too, CitizenDamePod.com. Um... If you want to help us out with some monies, we love monies, and you can do that a couple of ways. We've got a Ko-Fi account, ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. You can buy some awesome swag at the, or merch at the Zazzle store, which is zazzle.com slash citizen dame. Um, we do have a Patreon, that's patreon.com slash citizen dame, and we have lots of bonus episodes over there that we're trying to keep up with regularly. You also get episodes two days early. You do. So you will get to listen to this sooner than everybody else. Um, Also, we should mention our contest. This is the last week. We are giving out a female filmmaker double feature. You can get a copy of On the Basis of Sex as well as Miss Bala on Blu-ray courtesy of uh, Sony. I believe put out Miss Bala. Uh, On the Basis of Sex is courtesy of us because we're going to buy a copy for a lucky winner. So... All you have to do is send us a review. It can be anywhere. iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Podbean. Yes, wherever you can write a review. Send us a copy of it in some form. Whether that is a screenshot or just copy-paste. And we will uh, give it away to one lucky winner in the U.S. Uh, And you can also follow us individually. I am on Twitter at and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. Kristen, where are you? I am at Journeys underscore film. Uh, you can also find Kim at KPierce624. 
and Lauren at LH Business, and they were not actually snapped. They are just off slutting it up. I think Kim's slutting it up with her boss, and Lauren's <laughs> doing who knows what in New York City right now at Tribeca. So, yeah, that's really where they are. We miss them, but, you know, it's all good. Um, yeah, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. So let's get them. Use them to bring everyone back. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. Even if there's a, a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try. If we do this, how do we know it's going to end any differently than it did before? Because before you didn't have me. I like this one. Let's go get this son of a bitch.